Hi, this is Johnny Eccles from Love, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. Pantheon Podcasts presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you The Devil's Music. Hi, this is Pleasant Gaiman. Welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast where rock and roll meets the occult. For those of you that don't know me, I do a lot of stuff. I'm a dancer, actor, tarot reader, and a best-selling author with eight books out. I got one on the way, too. Look for my new memoir, Rock and Roll Witch, on Punk Hostage Press. You might have seen me acting or dancing in music videos, feature films, and documentaries. In fact, look for me in the new GoGo stock. To find out more about me or to book a tarot reading, please go to pleasantgaiman.com or check out my Instagram, Princess of Hollywood. All one word, baby. I post there a lot. I'm really happy to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Everyone at Pantheon tells stories about the music we love so much. There's like 50 podcasts. Find them all on Pantheon, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio.com, Pandora, anywhere you get your favorite podcast fix. Head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend. Or I'll put a spell on you, baby. Welcome to the Devil's Music Podcast. How are you guys all doing? Today we have a fantastic guest. She's one of my best friends for many, many years. We lived together at probably the most famous punk rock house, not just in LA, not just in America, but in the world. Iris Berry and I lived at Disgraceland, which was mentioned in Rolling Stone, in Spin, it's been in John Doe and Tom DeSavia's books, More Fun in the New World and Under the Big Black Sun. And it also is on, legit on, the Hollywood maps to the stars homes because of all the people that used to hang out and party with us back in the day. So aside from being one of my roommates, Iris Berry is just an unbelievable, talented writer, publisher and founder of Punk Hostage Press. She's an actor. She's been in movies you may have seen, including cult hits from the 80s, like every rock and roll movie you can imagine from the 80s, Iris was in. She was also in Border Radio, directed by Allison Anders in a, in a role. She had a band called The Lame Flames, You're going to hear some of that later in the podcast. And Iris and I were in a couple of different bands, most notably the Ringling Sisters, which also featured Dave Catching. And we we were all together in the Ringling Sisters. And then Iris also was an occasional member of my white trash X-rated country music band that Dave Catching was also in called Honk If You're Horny. So Iris has had a long and illustrious career. She's got a lot of fans. She's sitting here cracking up while I'm introducing her (laughs) because 
wait till you guys hear all the fucking sick stories that we have to tell. And you will be asking yourself, how are they still alive? Um, exactly. <laughs> you heard Iris, you're hearing Iris's laugh before, <laughs> before I even introduce her. But please welcome the illustrious Iris Berry. <laughs> Hi, babe. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? It's so hard. To, it is pretty hard to believe that we're still alive. I know. But, but... <laughs> something in the water. Like, there must have been something in the water. Disgrace it. Yeah. Okay. But before we start telling the story that, that everyone that's listening came for, <laughs> let's talk about Punk Hostage Press. Iris is the co-founder and publisher of Punk Hostage Press, which somehow, not somehow, I mean, it's due, it's due to its great quality, but it's it's gotten <laughs> such notoriety as being one of the foremost indie presses in America, if not the world, because the, um, the stable of authors you have, including me, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, no, it is incredible. So why don't you tell all the listeners about Punk Hostage and um, tell them like, you know, who some of the most noted authors are and also what you got coming up for 2021 and beyond. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Punk Hostage Press is, it's one of those things. It's just, it has a life of its own and it's, it's pretty much, you know, Razor and I started in 2012 on Friday the 13th of January. And, um, you know, we're nine years old now and, um, there's you and you're coming out with your book, rock and roll, Witch, which is very exciting. And there's Jack Grisham, who's got another book coming out very shortly called pulse of the world, Arthur chance, punk rock detective. And, um, also wait, we wait, have that's bad... Jack, wait, that's Jack's new book. Yeah. Arthur you know chance, that? punk rock detective. It's Yeah. Yeah. How do I not know this? Okay, wait a minute. I just have to say this. I, I know I'm probably being redundant, but for any of you guys listening, in case you do not know who Jack Gresham is, he is he's the he's the legendary Jack Gresham. He was in TSOL. He was um is in TSOL. He's still so, yes, yes. He found the number. And then what were his other bands? I'm slipping my mind because I'm old and senile. Joy Killer. <laughs> he, yeah. in, he had Joy Killer. He had, um, uh, oh, now I'm slipping too. Okay, well, just Google uh, it. It's Jack yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd. Just, <laughs> just, just Google it. it. Yeah, just Google it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack, we love you. Yeah, um, we love you, Jack. But yeah, yeah, so his book's coming out like any minute now alongside of yours. Uh, a punk rock detective, Arthur Chance. It's so funny. Frickin' good. And you then right say, you can say fucking here. Say it. Fucking. Oh, great. Say fucking. It. It's so <laughs> fucking good. And so along with your your book, Rock and Roll Witch, a memoir of sex, magic, drugs, and rock and roll, which is also so fucking good. We have Vag Moore. We have Vag Moore's book, who was in the dwarves. And his book's called My Life with the Dwarves, How I Drank fought and fucked my way around the world so all three of those books are coming out like to you know one after the other so that's oh really God. super exciting yeah and so you know just that's stay tuned of psychosis right there <laughs> well just the fact that we've got okay vag is a satanist you're a witch and jack's <laughs> a hypnotist <laughs> <laughs> We could just do like you guys should just go on tour. I mean, when we can, but in the meantime, we could have very special zooms, you know, and seance and satanic rituals and hypnotize Wait, I need people. To, I need you to invite Jack on this show and have him just hypnotize me, <laughs> cluck like a chicken. He already did. You just don't remember. <laughs> Oh, is, wait, you mean there wasn't really a pandemic? Was that just my hypnotic <laughs> What experience? pandemic? What <laughs> pandemic? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's all super, super exciting. And it, when Jack, okay, you want to hear this plus, because when Jack's book comes out, he's going to do a secret Zoom. I know that sounds bizarre, but everyone, you just need to, wait and look for the details because it's going to be pretty top secret 
and you know where those who buy their books and he signed them will get a code to come it's gonna be oh my god is it gonna i was gonna ask if it was like a treasure hunt or something I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like an hunt. Yeah. And maybe maybe Zoom, everyone's just getting right. Zoom reading slash treasure hunt. <laughs> <laughs> getting filmed for the NSA and the fucking <laughs> the right the, the right wings like um authors to boycott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, so that's what's going on. And there's some other books like Dan Denton's book, a hundred dollar week motel, which is amazing. Dan lives in Toledo and you're going to do the zoom. Toledo, Ohio. Us. Yeah. He's from Toledo, Ohio. Oh, and he's so you totally can still, one of us. You can still get like, like section eight motels for a hundred dollars a week. Up there. <laughs> um, I don't know if you still can, maybe it's 150, but yeah, it's pretty gnarly. And the book's sick. It's so great. And you're, you're going to love it. Pleasant you know, anyone else who gets their hands on it. So yeah, January 31st, we're doing that reading, his launch party on the 31st for that, for $100 a week motel. And then we have Joel Landmine's Thing Change, Razor's book, Puro Purismo. And um, I don't know, Scotty's so book, many. The one like bitches love uh, convicts. <laughs> <laughs> burden, <laughs> burden, burden of concrete. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, wait, say it again. <laughs> Say it again. Burden of concrete. Oh, I thought you said cockery. <laughs> That's his next book. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, that's Scotty's book. Burden of cockery. <laughs> Bitches love convicts. That's his next book. Bitches love convicts. Yeah, this oh, this was I mean this book just so the listeners know it's a it's about um you know it's about his healing from um drug addiction and spending time in jail but uh somehow Iris and I especially me went OCD on um on a line he just said that was in one of his stories which, <laughs> that when he was getting out of jail and he was unsure of what to expect one of the other inmates took him aside and said don't worry bitches love convicts. <laughs> True. No, I already got oh, no. this. Wait, both of us, both of us bitches have loved, have loved too convicts. Many, yeah, we have, we are women who have loved convicts. Um, Iris and I, I Iris <laughs> and I both are people that somehow in a dating history, hashtag not making this up, have dated um, multiple bank robbers. Just, <laughs> just accidentally. We were punk rock girls that wound up dating bank robbers. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, those were the days when you could rob a bank and not get caught because there was once upon a time, kids, there was no cameras and you could go into a bank. You could pull up in front, rob the bank, get in your getaway car and take off and not get caught. Yeah, there was also no ATM. So you had to physically go into the bank to rob <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot harder. You had to do the, the Wait, physical you work. The musical interlude. Those were the days, my friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right now, we're gonna play something by um Iris and Mai's band, the Ringling Sisters. And Iris Berry wrote this song. It's called "60 Watt Reality." 60 Watt Reality. Soft bow. Dim the lights If he don't want to He don't have to See The way it really is Okay, Iris, here we are back again um, There's also so another book that I need to tell you about uh, We're doing the Mark oh, Rude okay. book Yeah, we're doing the Mark Rude book 
Um, I'm doing it along with okay, Mad Mark Rude. Tell everybody yeah. who he was in case some people okay. don't know. Mad Mark Rude in the eighties was the, he did, he was an amazing artist. He did, he did uh, the stippling art and he did everyone's album covers. He did all the flyers. He did the horse heads famous first record of the, those the beautiful horse heads. He did the Fiesta lettering on Swimmersider's record. Yeah. Band. Yeah. He did everything. He did. Um, he did um, that, you know, he Let's did. just say that his again. t-shirts and flyers are very collectible now. His his name was Mark Rude, but everyone called him Mad Mark Rude, and he was an incredible artist. And he also lived with us, or mostly lived with Iris and I, because he was he was living in sin with Iris at Disgraceland. If you call that and, living. Uh, if you call that living. <laughs> yeah, that, that was living, baby. So, um, so Iris and I are going to tell you a, a couple of the more choice stories from Disgraceland. And um, I've written about some of them. And there's a chapter in More Fun in the New World that I wrote about um, Hollywood 80s punk. And it's Disgraceland is prominently featured in here. But Iris, why don't you start off telling telling your favorite um, memories of our house? <laughs> okay. First of all, I just want everyone to know that there were no cell phones for, for those who don't know, for you youngins, we didn't have cell phones and we had one landline at Disgraceland and it was in Pleasant's room and we had the 213 number, 213-460-4890, right? Yes. Right. Okay. So, and then, it, you know, we were both in Everyone in, in town the drunk dial, especially yeah. from on tour, we'd get collect calls from people drunk dialing that had, had it committed to or, or in jail. On tour or yes. in jail. <laughs> okay, so it was so but the thing is, you know, Pleasant and I were both in bands and we were both on the phone all the time or talking to people or getting people putting people on the guest list or whatever. And so I got my own phone in the room because we I we just needed finally, to our phone. Yeah, finally. <laughs> and so we just got into this habit of like one time I even the one that started it. Yeah, I knew Pleasant was on the phone. And so literally I was hung over in my bed at the end of the hall and I called her. I made an emergency breakthrough. <laughs> okay, so I have to explain emergency breakthroughs to people. Like this was a thing where you could for free if there was a legit emergency, which we used for anything. Like we, you know, this was like if you needed, technically it was there in case you needed an ambulance or something in case there was a busy signal on the line. Cause in those days there wasn't even call waiting, but we would, we would just use it when we just wanted to use the phone, we, which is why they started charging people a quota to make emergency. Yeah. Breakthroughs. It's a big quarter. Yeah. But, and so um, if we so weren't, you know, if we weren't I, doing, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say we when doing... <laughs> you did do an emergency breakthrough a couple of times, but there was this one time when you called me <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, I go ahead, yeah. no you say it no you say it go ahead okay. <laughs> iris literally we were laying in bed so fucking hung over 15 feet down the hallway from each other and i uh, and i got a, the phone rang and i was like i could barely you know roll over and get it i was so hung over and it was uh, an operator's voice saying um is this is this two one three four six zero four eight nine zero? Are you willing to accept a collect call from Iris Berry? And I stared at the phone like like wow, is my acid is that acid I took still in my system? But of course I, I accepted it. And collect calls were really expensive to make, but so then then it was like our regular had to just call each other down the hall in the same we house. <laughs> Too hungover to get out of bed. <laughs> but, and, you know, like, yeah, that was the high point. And then there was, okay, but then remember when we discovered cigarette loads and we would plant them in each other's cigarette boxes in the house? Like, you tell be, everyone I, what they are. You have to tell people what they are because oh, I don't know if they know this. Okay, shit. cigarette loads. Okay, me and Pleasant and Laura and Mike Mart and Steve, we would walk down to Hollywood Boulevard and Mike go Mart to the. Mike Mart from Texas on the Horsehead, Steve from the Vandals. From the Vandals and Laura from Hard as Nails, Cheap as Dirt and the Screaming Sirens. We would we were all living together at that time and we would go down to Hollywood Boulevard and um 
go to the magic stores and buy these things called cigarette loads. And what you do is you put them in cigarettes. So when someone goes to smoke it, it explodes. Right. Like a joke. It was, it was a novelty item, but accepting, I don't think not a terrorist item. (laughs) You weren't supposed to put like five or six of them in cigarettes the way that we did. (laughs) And then we'd always get so drunk that like, we would turn like the, the the loaded cigarettes upside down or move them to a certain side of the cigarette pack. But then as soon as we started drinking at places like the Frolic Room or the Firefly or the Soundcheck where Iris and I both work, um, we'd forget like what cigarettes had loads in them. So we'd light up a cigarette for ourselves and then it would be exploding like the 4th of July <laughs> in our faces. And people would think a gun went off. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like the wild, wild west. <laughs> But, or we'd be at home and I would be in my room. You and, know, you just like, I and all of a sudden I hear this, wow, wow. And you'd be like, Iris, did you do that? Like, like <laughs> you can believe it. Yeah, that was a normal day at Disgraceland. Cigarette loads, uh, people playing craps. Um, they drink, yeah, Mike Mark from Texas and the Horse Heads had, had a professional crap table that just lived on, <laughs> it, it lived on our coffee table. And Every night, I swear to God, like anyone you could think of in rock and roll Hollywood was sitting there playing craps with us and betting like their guitars, their real guitars, like a vintage Gibson guitar or like a bass amp or like car keys. I mean, this was like really high stakes betting and then it would get claimed. But I remember one time someone won um, Mike Mart's guitar, but then he couldn't give it to them right away because it was still in the pawn shop. (laughs) (laughs) when people came off, when like the gas company or the electric company came to to turn off our utilities because we hadn't paid, we'd make them we'd make them come in and roll dice with us first. <laughs> <laughs> and one time I remember Joe, um, Joe Wood from PSOL was like passed out across the front door like he hadn't made it on. <laughs> He hadn't made it to the door. He was going to go back home to Cerritos, but he just passed out. And so when the guy from the gas company was coming to shut the gas off, we told him to come in and play craps with us first. And then (laughs) the door was open a crack. Then he had to step over Joe and he sat down at the dice table and we told him it was his role and he was getting ready. And then all of a sudden he looked over at the front door and he's like, is that guy okay? (laughs) Okay, wait, I have a Joe Wood story. I just want to, okay, this is a normal day at Disgraceland. This is how I met Joe, okay? And when I first moved into Disgraceland, I needed a job. And Pleasant was like, why don't you bartend? And I said, I don't know how to bartend. And she's like, sure you do. What's in a what's in a vodka tonic? And I'm like, vodka and tonic? She's like, yeah. What's in a screwdriver? I'm like, orange juice and vodka? Yeah, see, you can, you can bartend. And <laughs> she was booking the Cafe de Grand then. And the owner, Which Michael Brennan, it was a huge punk club. One of the first punk clubs in yeah. Hollywood, like up there. Okay. So, and she, she knew that, um, they needed a bartender. So she went and talked to Michael and got me the job. She said, Oh yeah, my friend Iris, she's really experienced as a bartender <laughs> as a bartender. And so Texacala Jones was my cocktail waitress and you were my cocktail waitress, right? Weren't yeah. you? Yeah, we were we were both either bartending or cocktail waitressing, and Tex was only a cocktail waitress, even though and even though she spent most of her time laying in the parking lot smoking weed with her tray on her stomach. <laughs> exactly, just another day. And so this one day, it was it was a Sunday. There was a there was a thing that Bob Forrest was putting on called the Sunday Club, and across the street was a baseball diamond, and all the guys from like the Horseheads and the Joneses and you know, Jeffrey Lee Pierce and, you know, uh, Top Jimmy, they were playing. Love Circus. Anybody yeah. you can think of. Like they were the playing band. softball. And it was, I can't even believe they got through a game because they were all so, so Well, and, and the girls that would play too, like I, there were so many girls that like wound up, you know, doing not a walk of shame, but a waltz down Hollywood Boulevard and then down Argyle to get to Rodney's still in the same clothes they had on last night, running the bases and like high heeled over the knee spike heels, you know, boots, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. or, that was like totally a normal day. That was a normal day. Because that also was. Bob Forrest, who was, who was in, in, you know, one of the founding members of Thelonious Monster and is now known as Rehab Bob. And 
because of these days we're talking about got sober. <laughs> um, but his his first his first booking of the Sunday Club um, was he 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 came to me and said he wanted to do a a club during the daytime on Sundays. And so the the first bill had the Bengals and Black Flag. It was the Bengals opening for Black Flag. <laughs> like he would Amazing. always just pick bands that were completely not the same and it always worked and this was like the one time when everybody in the music scene could just come together get shit-faced play softball in the parking lot across the street and then pass out in the gutter in front of the club and not only did bob have the sunday club top jimmy had blue mondays remember blue yeah. mondays like he yeah, would be tom downstairs and he had like tom waits or dave lee roth and that place yeah. was packed it was amazing so anyway, yeah. so anyway, so I was bartending on my first shift and like, first of all, top Jimmy comes sliding into the bar and he wants beer and he just like throws down to pay for his beer with postage stamps. And I was like, dude, I'm new here. Like, really? And so I asked. Oh, Michael yeah, you Brennan, didn't know that. I knew that. And Michael Brennan knew it, but you didn't yeah. know it yet. I didn't know. And so Michael's like, yeah, just just let him just let him. And then Joe, no, but Wood, then he, Mike, Michael, Michael Brennan had it figured out. He's like. Yeah, one bourbon and coke for, for Jimmy is four stamps. Don't take less. <laughs> don't take three. Don't take two. Only take yeah. four stamps. Because, yeah. wait, Jimmy had broken into the stamp machine at at the building that Bob Forrest lived in. And he thought he was, he thought he had it calculated so he the could Lallienda? get cash out the of Lallienda? it. Yeah, the Lallienda, which is a classic old Hollywood apartment building that now is like, you know, really upscale but in those days it was a dump that um bob forrest and flea and anthony all shared an apartment flea and anthony from the chili peppers but so jimmy robbed the postage machine and he thought he had it figured out so it was the end of the month with the cash but they had taken all the cash out and there was a whole brand new wheel of postage stamps in this so jimmy just brought the he brought the, the wheel, wheel. Happy to ground. he wanted to sell it to michael and michael said no but then michael said he could pay for drinks with postage stamps <laughs> until it ran out. Okay. okay, so that happens. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm starting to figure this place out. He can play, he can pay with postage stamps. And then <laughs> this this really cute guy comes up and he's looking like he's having a rough day. And he's like, yeah, I just need a whiskey. And I was like, okay, that'll be like, I don't know, four something. And he just throws down like all these pennies. And I, <laughs> I, look, at, I look at Michael and he goes, yeah. And so, you know, the day goes on and then... And then, okay, so all the bands are playing downstairs. You, All you guys are downstairs, and I'm still up top. And Top Jimmy and Jeffrey Lee Pierce are, are spinning records upstairs in the same room as me. And they'd spin, like, one country record and then one metal record. And it just kept getting louder and louder. And so I'd walk up to them going, hey, you guys, I can't even hear people's orders. Can you just lower it? And every time I asked them to lower it, they made it loud louder and then they would laugh and they would laugh at me and i literally was reading lips at you know at the bar trying to figure out people's orders and finally i couldn't take it so i walked over there and i said you guys lower the fucking music and they laughed again so i had a full pitcher of beer and i just poured it on both turntables and they looked so horrified and like smoke came <laughs> out and i said i told you to lower the fucking music and then i just walked away and the obviously you know, they couldn't spin records anymore. But okay, so then I get home to Disgraceland, you know, exhausted. And the guy that bought the whiskey with pennies was crashed out on our couch. And I'm like, Plez, who is that guy? She realized, she's like, that's Joe Wood. He's the new singer for TSOL. I'm like, I just served him at, at the bar. So it was, our life was like Mayberry. Like we all knew each other and everywhere we went, we were there. Wait, was, do you know how, awesome. I, how I met Joe Wood? I met Joe Wood with um, some people know uh, Jerry Hurtado as Skate Master Tate. Mm. He um, he did he did sort of hip hop and rapping skate skate rock songs that were featured on the Thrasher compilations and um, actually the Velvet Margarita Cantina, which is now closed because of mm. the pandemic, like everything else. But um, so they sad. Have, Love that they place. Carlos Adley, um, the owner, and Ava. Carlos and Ava, Big Daddy. They, um, they they named um the patio out there. It's the Skate Master Tate Memorial uh patio. But anyhow, yeah. I was at some party in Huntington Beach and um 
and and Skate Master Tate was there. Everybody was there. And somehow, I don't even know how, this was how I met Joe Witt a few, you know, a little bit before you did. And I knew he was the new singer of TSOL. And somehow, I, I don't even remember how this started, but we were standing, um, me and me and Taters went up this tree. Oh, because he didn't want anyone to steal his weed. So we went up into a tree. <laughs> So we climbed up into this giant tree and we were sitting on a branch getting high and then the branch <laughs> broke. And of Taters, course. Of course. There. I mean, this is like a high up there branch, right? In the middle of a raging party. Taters like bounced off in one direction, but I landed directly on top of Joe Wood. <laughs> <laughs> He's and like, hey, just- baby, come here often. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's awesome Um, that was crazy but now let's let's talk about um some of our roommates so two of our most notorious roommates at disgrace and even though we had everybody you could think of staying there crashing there partying there sometimes for days or weeks at a time like touring bands months yeah this was a a decade-long reign of punk rock insanity but two of the roommates that were the most insane were Mike Mart from Tex and the Horseheads and Steve-O of the Vandals, mm. the, um, the first lead singer of the Vandals. So um, one of the wildest stories I remember was my band, the Screaming Sirens, were on tour and we were playing with the Horseheads and Screaming Jay Hawkins mm. the, the night that we were supposed to get back to LA. So me and Laura Bennett, my bass player, drove on speed like all the way through from like austin to hollywood and when we came into the house mm. like days later still wired so hard that i was surprised we had teeth left <laughs> steve and mike mart were wearing every fucking piece of leopard clothing and shoes and accessories like hats and little capes and button clip on earrings from the 50s all in leopard and steve was still kind of awake but mike mart was but it was out. all my and your clothes yeah it was all of yeah, our clothes all of our clothes and, yeah anything leopard you hat of irises and a leopard capelet from the 50s and also he had your leopard Fredericks of Hollywood spike heels with his yes. giant feet with like <laughs> the lumberjack socks crammed into it but he also had he had a fast food container dumped over his head <laughs> with like tomato. a tomato covering one eye like a pirate eye patch he was totally passed out and Steve-O from the Vandals and um, Clam Lynch, an artist who that Iris had discovered under a, a fucking parked car on Melrose Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> he told him to come home one night and suddenly he'd been living there for months. Anyway, they were, they were talking in fake Chinese and doing fake Kung Fu when we walked into the house. And um, mm. then Laura and I couldn't sleep and we kicked everybody out, especially since we had a big gig that night. And um, and neither one of us could sleep and we because we were we were high out of our mind on speed. Mm. So then finally we decided to get up and Laura yells at me from the other room, um, hey, do you have a vibrator? And I was like, No. <laughs> Why? And she's like, I don't have one either. And then we and then I was uh, I was like, Are we going to get them? And she said, Yes. And so then I was sitting there looking for this trench coat I had, thinking I should wear a trench coat if we were going to go to a sex shop and buy vibrators. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then she she fucking appears at my door in a trench coat and, and like a detective hat. And we both had on sunglasses like Ray-Bans. And we walked up to the store to buy vibrators. So when we didn't, we've never been in a porn shop before. We didn't know what vibrators are supposed to look like. And on the way there, I was like, I was like, we're not going to get like some big, like 
black, like giant rubber <laughs> dildo or something. I mean, she goes, oh, no, no, no. You know, just like the cream colored personal massager one. But we both brought like our whole pay from on tour because we didn't know how much there was. We, we didn't know. Like, like. And so we walk into the sex store and there was this sleazy hippie with the gray ponytail. And he goes, how can I help you ladies? And then mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she says all casually, like we're at May Company shopping for a business suit. She's like, um, yes, we'd like to see your personal massagers. <laughs> like, oh, all of my ladies are here. And so they cost something like a dollar ninety nine or two ninety nine or three nine. I don't remember how much, but even even that wasn't astronomical. We thought it was going to be like really expensive, like twenty bucks or something, which in those days was like a hundred dollars. Because this is how uneducated we were about sex toys. So, <laughs> which is hard to believe. Yeah, but I, well, I mean, we, yeah. Didn't need, we didn't need toys. We had boy toys. Yeah, <laughs> in every yeah. city. <laughs> yeah. so, so anyway. So then when they were so cheap, we both just looked at each other like it was a rehearsed scene in a movie and said, we have to get one for Iris. And <laughs> Iris was always getting so much action. She, she always had a million men all the time. You know, she always had a string of boys like drooling over her, which I'm, I'm sh- still certain happens to this day. Aww. But um, so Iris wasn't home and we left one in a plain brown paper sack on this little table in front of her locked bedroom door at the Skystown and it said, from your secret admirer. And then I, um, Laura and I went back and tried the vibrators and, you, and they were so fucking noisy, like all the neighbors could hear them. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, but then all of a sudden I heard this like, no way coming from the living room. And then I was like, what just happened? And then I was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and then, but that went on all afternoon until our nut and until we had to play with screaming Jay Hawkins. And then it just progressed. So, okay. So then wait, this is where I come in, right? Hello, America. This is Lotus Lane and the Lane Flames. We want to sing to you a little sexual problem we've been having. We know you can relate to it. And I didn't, and I had no idea about any of so we this, bumped, we bumped of, into of, them, of them. I had no oh, idea yeah. about them. They were named them. We called them. their vibrators them. Like, and, so, and we were at the, at the point of saying, I wish we could take them on tour with us. And, but- okay, so because, because, because it was so crazy, like I was probably at Mark's <laughs> house for the week, but I had on my door, which was at the v- end of a very long, deep red hallway, I had a padlock on the outside of my door and a padlock <laughs> on the inside of my door. So <laughs> double protection. So you guys couldn't get in. And I had like a table outside my door and you left the brown paper bag on the table. And it said, it did, and it said from your secret admirer, but it looked like a crazy serial killer had written it. Cause it was like in pen and it was like a pen that barely worked. And it said from your secret admirer, for iris and so when i came home i saw that i was like oh giddy and i went in my room and i opened it. i'm like oh my god what the fuck like what is this like go a message to go fuck yourself like what so-, <laughs> <laughs> so i just threw it under my bed and then like a week later pleasant and laura like so do you like what we got you and i go what and they go didn't you get it this was we asked you at the frolic room at like at like the most famous bar in hot we finally bumped into after a week later okay wait we're gonna take a musical interlude right now um maybe we should probably play um super freak here yeah. <laughs> i think it's appropriate because because she's the kind of girl you read about in new wave magazine 
Okay, we'll be right really back. Love to taste her. <laughs> I really love to taste her. Okay, now we're really going to be right back. again three's not a crowd to her she said room 714 i'll be waiting okay take it take it away i okay so at the frolic room you guys you guys literally corner me in the bar like with these with these really big eyes just wanting to know if i like it i'm like like what and you're like didn't you get it the vibrator, I go, that was from you guys? And they're like, you're like, yeah, it's great. You got to do it. You got to do it. What'd you do? Then I go, I put it under my bed. And you're like, oh, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And so then what? A month goes by. We hadn't talked about it. And I was in my room with Rad's ass. And- okay, wait. Tell them who Rad's ass is. <laughs> Iris's boyfriend's always had the best names. <laughs> Rad's ass was the singer of Tales of Terror. And at this point in time, he was singing for a band called um, Pirates of Venus. And they were amazing. They were both amazing bands. So Raza and I were holed up in my room for a really long time. And, you know, we were messing around. It was like 5 five or 5.30 or 6 in the morning. We were messing around with the vibrator. And I, there was a window above my bed and it was wide open. And the vibrator hey, and it faced, it faced a comma It faced a convent. Because we, li- <laughs> we, we, lived, we lived right behind the Blessed Sacrament Church in Hollywood, which is still there. And they had a kindergarten through eighth school. And right across the street in the other direction was another elementary school. But the Iris's room face the fucking con <laughs> and then this happened so then the vibrator flies out the window and it's on and it's buzzing and i'm like shit so i just throw a robe on like some crazy or a shirt wrap myself around and i'm going down the driveway chasing it down the driveway as it's rolling and buzzing and bumping down our very long driveway and there's kids out there like on their big wheels looking at me like i'm a crazy lady and I finally get, I finally get my hands on it by the, right before it gets to the street, you know, and there's, <laughs> it's, in, there was people were at, it must've been like six thirty seven, And I get back in the room and I was laughing about it with rat's ass. And then I see you guys later and I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened. And you're like, you're like making fun of me and laughing about it. You can't believe that I chased it down the driveway. I can't believe I chased it down the driveway. And so then you're like, oh, we're playing a gig later at Raji's. And I said, oh, cool. And you're like, are you coming? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I did it. And you're like, oh, no, you're coming. If you don't come, I'm going to tell that story from the stage. (laughs) And then you guys are on and I'm like running through the crowd going, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Oh yeah, but that was like Moses parting the Red Sea. You were like you were waving your arms. Hold the presses. I'm here. <laughs> because you would have told that story from the stage. I would have, but now just saying what now, like 35 or 38 years later, we're telling it to everybody who's listening. In the world. <laughs> In front of God and everybody. God's given up on us. <laughs> <laughs> that vibrator incident was probably what originally caused the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a lab in Wuhan. It was what Iris did in the 80s. <laughs> okay, so now that, we, now, that we're on, now, now that we're on the concept of um, sexual experiences in the 80s, please tell everyone about your band Lotus Lame and the Lame Flames. Tell tell them what what you guys wore. Tell them who your manager was. This this is so (laughs) insane. This is they were like they were the best band. I mean, just the 
the unsung heroes of the Hollywood music scene. We we were okay. There was it first started with Lotus, and Lotus was Lotus Lame of the Lame Flames, and she, you know, for some reason left town and went to Florida. So I got, you know, Mandy and Lisa were the only ones left, and they asked if I wanted to join the band because I had the red Thunderbird. They said you you we're gonna have you be in the band because you have that cool car. <laughs> That's 63 red Thunderbird. Yeah. And um, so the Lame Flames, you know, it was three piece and we had a backup band and we wore, we wore jock straps, like dyed red jock straps that we'd be dazzled over fishnet stockings and like, you know, little black tank tops. And we had songs that like were called Bad Sex, Boy With Bedroom Eyes. And then we even did sort of a cover, you know, Sound of the Men uh, working on the chain gang. But we changed it. That's the Sound of the Men working on the Lame Flames. And, um, <laughs> and we were we, we were playing every club in town. And we had like a, um, a residency at um, the Coconut Teaser. And eventually Ricky Rackman, who um, was MTV fame, MTV DJ fame, and like the yeah Headbangers Ball and the and the Cat House. Yeah, cat he, house had a, he had a he had a called the Cat House. He he approaches and he wanted to he he became our manager basically and yeah we were, it was wild. I mean you and we played together the Screaming Sirens and the Lame Flames. We played together. We played. That was the, the sluttiest night in town. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Slut Ball. That's what that was. Forget no, Headbangers not- Ball. Don Balls, the drummer of the germs, used to call the screaming sirens. He used to call us the semen siphons. <laughs> that wasn't in joke, and now you're we're telling the world. No. <laughs> yeah, Don Balls. I still got my teeth. I'm just, okay, I'm wait. Saying. Let me just say, Don Balls for someone for that. Okay. He can say whatever he wants, but he lived in our driveway in a van with license plate number that said 666. And he ran like he ran extension cords from his van into my room in the back that faced the convent so he could get up, set his alarm clock and get up in time in the morning to go to his job at the LA Weekly. But (laughs) we had so many people in tour vehicles or Don Bowles' van just living in our driveway. It was like, one time. Remember what Ross said? Yes. <laughs> our landlord. Wait, uh, wait, I have to tell them who our landlord was. Our landlord was Mickey Hargitay, who was married to Jane Mansfield and was in the movie. He was the bodybuilder in the movie, The Girl Can't Help It. With and he's Mariska Hargitay's dad, who's in Law and Order. Yeah, Mariska Hargitay's dad. But so when um, our landlord used to send the manager over all the time. And then we got this, we, we were always late with the rent. And then we got this note saying, um, also there's people, there's hippies or whatever. And clean up the porch. Cause it looks like a goddamn saloon. <laughs> oh Eric, that's exactly, that was it word verbatim, word for word. <laughs> or whatever and clean up the goddamn porch because it looks like a goddamn saloon <laughs> that, that was our aesthetic though <laughs> i know they they nailed oh, it okay wait what about the time that the the see nothing ever worked in this guy's on one time the washing machine was overflowing <laughs> after a party that like um um oh my god who was who I can't even remember who was at that party. <laughs> the so replacements. Many. The replacements were at the party. Oh yeah. One of the Stinson brothers sat on the washing machine and the dryer or did something on it and then the next day it wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> so, Iris and I woke up to these gurgling and splashing noises. <laughs> Again, it we were really flooded. Hungry. Yeah, it was flooded. I mean, flooded, like not just water on the floor. It was like the ship was floating in the kitchen. But that it was, was like six the- inches of water. That was probably the That's- only time that we ever mopped the floor there, though. Yeah. But-, <laughs> but we were mopping the floor and there was pictures, our own photos that were like in the LA Weekly, like floating by. Like- yeah, and we were, we were mopping it with like paper towels and real towels and blankets off the bed. And then at one point it was with our leopard coats. <laughs> oh, the horror. And I called the landlord and I said, <laughs> 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 
We're having a problem washing my For real. For real, she did that. I like it was yesterday. <laughs> and he just responded like it was a normal phone call. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe something's wrong with their line. I'm surprised the phone is still on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then there was also the time that MTV came to disgrace them. Oh my God! Tell them about that. Tell everybody. Okay. And, wait, wait. Let's wait. Let's take one more musical interlude here. All right. And um, we're gonna hear some text on the horseheads for, for this right now because this this just about some set up. You say you love me at least 50 times a day But if you really love me, there's nothing to say Leave me to be here by my little old lonesome Or I need the company of no one Just pack your things, close the door behind you Cause if you really love me, you just go away To talk about when when Steve Olson, Steve Olson, the, the famous skateboarder and member of the Joneses, was the one I think who who got the whole MTV thing set up. So what was the, the title of it? It was Punks and Posers, right? Yeah, Punks and Posers. And it yeah. was in 1985. It was an MTV yeah. special that featured like all different punk rock venues and clubs in LA, and somehow our house. Yeah, and they and. I mean, MTV was new. It was like a blip on the radar. Like we knew about it, but you know, there was barely, there was barely cable TV. There was no cable. There was like what the Z channel or, you know what I mean? There was nothing. So anyway, yeah, MTV was a big deal. And they came to our house and they brought, they brought 16, 18 cases of plain rat beer. And no, a, it was Corona. Okay. I made them get because I specified that, and this was this was like we we specified it had to be that number. That was part of like one of our the, writer. That was our writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so was the cocaine that they brought. No, the, the cocaine came later. The cocaine came after it was so horrifying when the camera <laughs> got broken in the first scene. That was when the cocaine started. But tell them about the first scene where we drove up in the pink Cadillac. <laughs> okay, the pink Cadillac. How do I describe that? It was Thank the you. pink Cadillac from hell. It was um it was riddled it with bullet holes. Riddled with yeah, bullet technically, holes. Technically it belonged to uh, um my bass player Laura Bennett. It was her brother's car and he had brought a copy of Hustler magazine into an Earl Scheib auto painting place, opened it up to the center fold and fold and pointed to the you know centerfold girl's vagina and said i want my car painted this color <laughs> okay and then and then they tried to like blowtorch the roof off because they wanted it to be a convertible so um everything was going well until the back seat got set on fire <laughs> <laughs> So it didn't have a backseat. And and, and then Laura's brother brought it up to um, Angela's Crest Forest and him and his best friend had target practice in it. But then they they hadn't hit the gas tank. So then they decided they weren't going to just leave it up there. And they brought it back down and gave it to Laura. And everybody that lived in Disgrace had, had a key to it. We and all it would, owned it. <clears throat> you, could, you, could, you could like take it somewhere, like to a party, and then you'd come out 15 minutes later because it was boring and the car was already gone. Like one of the other roommates had like bailed in it, or sometimes you'd show up somewhere hoping it would be there, and there'd be like someone getting a blowjob in the backseat with you know with you know. Or, or I'd be walking over the sound check like at two in the morning with Mark down Sunset, and you guys would go by in the pink Cadillac, like barely hanging, like at people spilling out loud as hell, and never get pulled over. I know Ever. that. <laughs> we used to say it had a force field around yeah, it. Like it every, had a force field. The only time it even almost got pulled over was a cop did stop 
and stop it on on Wilcox near Hollywood and um the my police station. <clears throat> no, it was north of there. It was near Playmates. It was near Hollywood Boulevard. But we got pulled over and there was like eight or nine people in it, and we were all on mushrooms, tripping mm. our brains out. Mm. And the and the policeman strolled up, thinking this was going to be a big bust. And he goes up to, to Marsky, who was the driver. He said, can I see your license and registration? And she was tripping and she couldn't find anything, but she was wearing this like leopard velour cowboy hat. And um, he said, um, he said something like, um, nice, nice hat there. And she said, um, oh, is it becoming? And he said, it's very <laughs> becoming. And she was like, becoming what? <laughs> and he somehow let her go because she was like fluttering her eyelashes. And That's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna, yeah, and, and even like didn't even I think maybe got a warning but you know <clears throat> just slap what, on the any, wrist yeah okay any, so I, anyway so the so that's how the episode of MTV comes to oh, disgrace right, starts yeah. and also they they had already filmed like uh GBH uh it, it I don't even know where some huge the place. Olympic auditorium, yeah, I think. thank you yeah it was the Olympic and so um, and they were like interviewing people outside of that show. And then they, so you guys pull up, there's like, I don't know, 15 people that come flying out of the, as you pull up on the, in the driveway, of disgrace on you just all come. Oh, for the opening, out. for the opening yeah. scene of MTV. Yeah. And the last thing the guy said was, be careful. This is a $16,000 camera. <laughs> and he, had the <laughs> camera. he was sitting on the back of the back of where the back seat was holding the camera up. And Laura was so drunk, she was trying to park the car and she smashed into the car that was parked in front of her. And that's on film. That's on film. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so you guys roll out of the car, you roll onto the porch and it's a huge party scene. And, you know, we, we give them a tour. We take them on a tour to the house. We go, you know, we don't, we're like, we don't want to go in the kitchen. Even the cats won't go in there. And then we, we get to the bathroom, which we dubbed, we called it, you know, um, the Andy Warhol bathroom because a lot of drugs happened in that bathroom. Yeah. And then we got into, into, um, into my room where we filmed you and me. And we made, you and I made this pack. We're like, okay, we're not going to drink until the cameras are gone. And of oh, course, yeah. that just went right out the window. in a handbasket. Yeah, it's fast. And so, before, they, before they even started filming, we were all shit-based. Yeah. And so you can YouTube that. It's there. It's there on oh, yeah. YouTube. You can totally Let's see that. Let's look for punks and posers on YouTube, and you'll see Iris and I slurring our way through poetry. And, and other animals in smashing into the neighbor's car. That might be the only moving footage of Disgraceland, yeah? Yeah. Oh, except no, the for running the running time. time. What? The running time that you and Max. Yeah. The running kind, yeah. which is also on YouTube, was co-written by Max Tash and me. And it was about an all-girl band. It was filmed on location at Disgraceland, at Raji's, at the Palace on Vine, which is now Bordeaux, at an after-hours club. And it's got, like, anyone that was anybody um, in the punk rock scene in the 80s in it. It's free on YouTube. It's called The Running Kind. Got Tex and the Horse Head. It's got TSOL. It's got El Duce from the Mentors. It's got and lots of people doing lots of horrifying things that were really real, and people thought we made up for the movie. Yeah, we weren't acting. Okay, it could have been. It could have been considered reality, but it was yeah, that was a great movie. Reality show. It was a great movie. Well, yeah, just their their trip to Disgraceland was total reality. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh wait, I, 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 yeah, I made, I made, I made Steve Olsen get the producer in there, and I was like, do you know where to get any blue? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, buy us some. <laughs> he did because I think he thought it was going to sober us up, but it just made matters worse. <laughs> that was awesome. Statute of limitations. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so you, you've you lived in some other houses and done some other crazy shit. Do you want to talk about any of that from the olden days? Yeah, sure. I mean, or I, I look about like Porter Radio or any of the movies. Oh, were. yeah. Okay. Another movie that has footage of Disgrace on because Border Radio was shot in my bedroom at Disgrace. Yeah. So, and that, that was a lot of fun. That was, a, that was great fun. And they actually, Alison Anders discovered me 
in a complete Hollywood kind of discovery kind of way. I was the to-go girl at Duke's at the underneath the Tropicana, the Tropicana Motel, which is, you know, was rock and roll central with the late seventies and the, through the early eighties in Hollywood. Like anyone who was anyone touring band stayed there and probably ended up living there. And so I was the to-go girl at Duke's and they would come in every day and they finally just said, Hey, we want you for this movie. And it was border radio and it was, you know, who knew that it would become a cult classic, but so they came and they filmed it in my room and, and in the movie, I'm drinking 10 high and I'm really drinking 10 high. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was, and also, was oh, method, method acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Allison. Oh, but you know what I need to say that I did? Yeah. Hi, Allison. We love you. So when I was, so after border radio, you, you know, I mean, who else was in border radio? Tell everyone. John Doe, Dave Alvin, Chris D, um, Texacella Jones, um, uh, Julie Christensen, Green on Red. Um, uh, there was another band. What was their name? Um, um, yeah, that was a great movie. It's it's also a great movie. Not only does it show my bedroom at Disgrace Line, but it shows all these places in Los Angeles that aren't there anymore. I mean, it really, it's like a love letter to Los Angeles. I love that movie. Um, yeah. And I mean, before I lived in Disgrace Line, I lived in a place called The Pink Mansion, where yeah. is, which is the name of my next book, and I'm writing about it. And that was very crazy. But nothing's ever going to top Disgrace Land. Nothing. That was, you know, where do you go after Disgrace Land? Except maybe a rehab or a mental institution. <laughs> Which I think I did go to rehab after disgrace. Um, Forest. Yeah, <laughs> many times. Yeah, everybody. Even Amy Winehouse would have gone to, to rehab. Yeah, willingly. she was sick. She would have been with us. <laughs> yeah, there would have not been none of that. I don't want to go. It would have been like take me to rehab. Yeah, that was you know literally disgrace. could have been a way station to rehab. <laughs> we could have nowadays we could have been Tuttles. getting paid for it by yeah. the state or something yeah we could have just had a shuttle there taking people to try out <laughs> i want to talk about the first time i met steve-o oh, okay steve-o from the vandals from yes, the vandals please. the singer of the vandals i love steve-o right, and i miss him dearly. yeah yeah he was funny he was great and okay so pleasant i pleasant picked me up from the hospital and we get home and there's the as 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 always the porch was just filled with all these people these these dudes you know all these guys drinking and partying and um we walk up and steva who i'd never met before is like hey you want a beer and i'm like no i'm just coming from the hospital and, and pleasant says to him yeah she just had an abortion he goes oh i'm sorry do you want some acid <laughs> And that was how I met Steve-O. And then we became great friends after that. Steve was one of my favorites. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah Steve was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, on on that note, I th although we could, we could probably go on on and on and on again. Yes, I know. Um, but we are going to leave you guys now. That was the fabulous Iris Berry, my dear lifelong friend, my really talented friend, my really motherfucking crazy <laughs> badass bitch friend. It takes two, babe. <laughs> it is babe, isn't it? <laughs> Iris and I got fake engaged to each other on, on Facebook years ago, and I, I think 2021 might be the year to make honest <laughs> women out of each other. <laughs> I'm in. I'm down. <laughs> As long as you okay. put me on your insurance. No. Uh, thank oh you for God. having me. Yeah. About that. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, we will do this again. All right, you guys. We love you so much. Mwah. Mwah. The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. 
and of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.